Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's not about me. I'm only here for a minute. And I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello, welcome to Lads and Powers. This is Scott Powers, joined by Mark Lazarus. Mark is in beautiful Calgary. Where are you? I am. Yes. I, you know, it's funny. Like I give this to this city a lot of crap because I hate the arena so much. Yeah. I actually really like Calgary as a city. It's like a big cosmopolitan city. There's good restaurants here. I got this amazing view outside my window of the, the whole skyline. Uh, I just really, really hate the press box, and I'm not looking forward to tonight's game in the slightest. <laughs> I will be praying for you. Have you you've been to Calgary, right? I haven't taken every Western Canada trip, have I? No, it's been a minute though since I. Uh, yeah, I don't know the last time I've been to Calgary. I, I know I've been to Toronto and I did the Toronto Montreal a few years ago. And... I feel like you always give me the Canada trips. I don't know. Do you, do you do you hate Canada? Is there something I don't know about you? No, no. I. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I. Uh, I, I think I was in Canada last year, so. I... So so you've made you, you've you've been in the Calgary press box, the Saddle Dome press box. You've, yes. you've done the walk. Yeah. That yes. scared. Did that bother you at all? Um. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's not, yeah. I don't know. I guess I'm not I, like term. Yeah, it's. I feel like I, it's all or nothing. I mean, like, the first time, <laughs> like I can still remember, it was ten years ago. Actually, next week, I remember it was the the Ray Emery game. Remember the Ray Emery game when we first came to the beat and he made like forty eight saves. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it kept the twenty one zero and three streak alive in the early stages. Of, I was on the ice show trip. One of the best goaltending performances I've ever seen. It was in Calgary, and I remember that day because. You know, Chris Cook and Tracy Myers had psyched me out about how scared I because they knew I was afraid of heights. <laughs> and they psyched me out about this press box. And we get here, and I literally, there's like, you know, it, there's this, this long catwalk to get to the dangling death box of doom. It's like this really long, narrow, short railings on the side walking. You have to, you have to, there's like a, a chain link fence door you have to get through. And I was so petrified. I stood there for at least 45 minutes. Talking to the security guy the guard there who was trying to psych me up, saying, I see this a handful of times a year. You're gonna be okay. Nobody's ever <laughs> fallen. You know, I'm like, I know, I don't like, now now I'm like I'm, I've been here so many times that I'm kind of past it, but yeah. I still hate it. Yeah. But I have to I do the same. I have to make sure my backpack's on like both shoulders so I have nice center of balance. I put my arms out on both sides of the thing so I can touch the railings and I just like hold my breath as I'm walking down the plank there. God, I hate every second of this place. And then you have all these freaking writers going over the scoreboard in the middle of the true catwalk part of it. You're all freaking insane. You're all nuts. You're taking your cameras and hanging it over the railings. Like, what the hell is wrong with you people? 
We should just get you a, just buy you a, a seat so you can sit and watch the game in the stands for this one. Should. I, or like an old high school basketball thing. I like put a table in the corner somewhere, you know? Just, <laughs> it's funny because like, like I, I don't have any trouble flying. I'll go on any roller coaster in the world. I don't have any problem with heights as long as I'm strapped into something. Yeah. But once once you put the uh, the burden of survival on my own coordination, I want no part of it, man. Yeah, None. No, I, 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 I hear you. Um. I was uh, I, I know we, we talked a little bit before we got on the air, but it the Blackhawks have lost the last two games. And, you know, like there was this panic even, you know, I wrote about it and I'm I'm guilty of this. Every time that they win five or six games, I think that the the, the tank is off. But it, it's other teams are winning. Like I, I, I've, I've come to the point where I just I'm I'm done writing about it. Like we'll see what happens, like with a month left in the season. We'll see what happens to the trade deadline. But I didn't expect other teams to start winning games. And now um now Anaheim has a 344 points percentage. Columbus is 344. Blackhawks at 348. It's a battle, man. It's actually going to be kind of exciting down the stretch. I thought. I thought. I. I. I honestly. I, and I wrote about the other day. I thought the points percentage is going to be. And, and it may be. I just. I, I think 320 has been the number that we've seen throughout the season. But you know, I mean, for Columbus to even come back and win last night, and yeah, it's. Um, I mean, not that they, the last ten. Last ten. Anaheim is four five and one. Columbus is three six and one. Blackhawks are six four and zero. Oh. Arizona's two eight and zero, oh. um, yeah. For the, I think these teams they have like three or four wins in the last ten. Like it's it, it's significant in in this sort of race, you know. Well, you know, it, you know, it comes back to what Gary Bettman was saying last week, where he's like, teams don't tank, and we all ha 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 laughed. Gary Bettman but, says a lot of things that are untrue. Yeah. Oh yeah, we 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 all love the uh, the digital boards, and nobody wants salary cap information and all that stuff. And there aren't but, CTE. It, but exactly, yeah. But he's not wrong because he he you know he lawyered it because he's a lawyer and that's what he does. He said that the players and the coaches don't tank, which we've been saying all along. Players don't tank. Coaches right. don't tank. Nobody's in that locker room hoping and praying some 17-year-old comes to save them. That's not how it works. They don't care about that the Connor Bedard or uh, anyone else that's in that draft. They don't think about it at all. They don't care. In fact, I think they really enjoy screwing over management. I mean, it, there's got to be a little bit of that. Nobody's going to ever admit it because this is hockey. But when management puts the team together to lose – there is that major league sense of it. Like, oh, what the hell, man? You, you signed me because you think I suck? You put me on this team because you think I suck? Because everybody knows the Blackhawks are trying to lose. So the players rally around that. There's a bunker mentality in there. They talked about it in training camp. Like, yeah, we want to prove people wrong. Now they're bad. They're going to lose most of their games. But they're still professional hockey players. They're still yeah. at the top of their craft. They're still proud individuals. And, you know, Luke Richardson said it in his introductory press conference. I'm going to make this as hard on Kyle as possible. And he is. You know, the Blackhawks are not good, but they're not like the bad news bears. They're not some bumbling idiots out there. They're still NHL players. Yeah. You're going to win some hockey games. It'd be interesting to talk to like Sharp or Keith or those guys who were there right before things got good. Like whether they thought like Kane and Taves were like, like there was any anticipation knowing that those guys could change that, you know, hey, like hey, stop giving away story ideas. We don't have <laughs> enough of them to go around. <laughs> um. Which I guess it would be a slight transition to Brent Seabrook, who you met with this week in Vancouver and who's coaching, uh, volunteering with the Vancouver Giants. And um, what's, um, yeah, I, you know, it was, it was a fun story. What, what, what was your takeaway? What was, what was, was it like talking with him about this stuff? I'll tell you, I, I've been trying to get Brent on the phone for the last, you know, year or so. And he basically threw his, uh, through the Giants spokesperson said, 
look, I'm done doing interviews. I'm never doing interviews again. Like I did, I, I gave away too much time in my life to do interviews. I'm not doing interviews. So I didn't talk to him for the Duncan Keith story I did for NHL 99. Like I wanted to, he just decided he didn't want to do interviews anymore. So I kind of like the timing of this trip was magnificent for me because you know, the Blackhawks were in Vancouver the same week that he was coaching the top prospects game. So I figured he'd have to talk. Right. And so I kind of, I, I, I wrangled a press pass at the last second. I took an Uber and I went out there and I was all braced for him to give me all kinds of shit when he saw me. Like, cause for 10 years, he gave me shit every time he see, you know, I always say he's everybody's big brother. He's like, put, put your head in the, in his, in his arm and gives you the proverbial noogie, right? Like no matter what you do, he does that. We always got along great, but he always gives you shit. And he was so pleasant. He was like, hey, Les, what's going on? And we talked and he, he asked how the beat was. He asked what it's like covering this team. He asked about some of the new guys. He just seems like he's in a really good headspace. Uh, he seems really happy. I mean, he's he's clearly itching to do something, but he's got to wait for his lightning contract to run out on, at the end of next season. But he seems just like he's in a good spot. And, and you don't always see that. I was glad to see it because so many of these guys struggle with that transition from player to ex-player because, I mean – He's, I mean, Seabrook's 37 years old. He's a young man and his career is done. And like he said, he's like, my dad's 66 and I, and he's not retired yet. So it's really weird to think that I'm retired. And a lot of these guys struggle. Dave Boland told me he struggled with it for a while. You know, a lot of these guys, uh, you, you got to find a purpose in your life, right? And Seabrook seems to that finding it. Some of those, I mean, you look at what Aduya is doing and, and Sharp certainly found the calling and, and Osa. And host, yeah, host has got so much going. And Sharp and um, and Duncan Keith even joining the Oilers. Like some of those yeah. guys seem like they, and they didn't wait very long. You know, like they they they've jumped into something. Maybe and maybe some of that just understanding that it's it's important to kind of keep going. You know. Well, did you like like Brent Seabrook? Never struck me as the type that was going to become a coach of some sort. I always I, I always thought that once his career is over, he was just going to go home and just chill and just be done with it. But. Uh, so I was a little surprised to hear that he was coaching and that he was taking to it so well because I didn't think he had the, uh, I don't know, the patience for it, the the temperament for it. I mean, he's obviously a great locker room guy and a great teammate and and all those things, but I, I didn't see him with that. But I, I think he just, he missed being in the locker room. He missed hanging with the boys and, you know, talking to a lot of those Vancouver Giants. I mean, these are teenagers. These are kids. And, you know, I, I was struck that they all called him Siebes. I'm like, and, and they all text him all the time. I'm like, Shouldn't you be starstruck by him? And they're just like, we were at first, but he just so quickly puts you at ease that it really, he sits there in the middle of the locker room telling stories about Kane and Taze in the old days. And he just feels like he's one of your teammates. He might be 20 years older than you, but he's just one of the boys. And that's always been his strength is whether you're a young guy or you're a veteran, he's your best friend on the team. And I think that when he took Kirby Doc into his home that last year, he was in Chicago. He really started veering towards that mentor role. And I think he really took to it. And I think, you know, if, 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 if he wants a job, the Blackhawks will give him a job. Um, he's been talking with Kyle and and Norm and all these guys for for all this whole time. But he'd be great in junior hockey, man. He's 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 really seems to take to it. He's what he's doing what, once every few weeks or something like that right now. Is yeah, that... he he lives in Kelowna, which is like a four hour drive away. So he comes down like twice a month, spends a couple of days in uh, in uh, in Vancouver. His family is his his uh, uh, his parents live uh, well. His, his unfortunately, his mother just died a couple of weeks ago. But uh, his parents lived in that town. It's like right next to where the uh, Giants practice. So he comes down, he gets to see his family, and uh, he works with the kids. Does a lot of one-on-one work. He does a lot of talks. He'll do like a team talk. Uh, basically, whatever they want him to do, he does. It works with the power play. He works with forwards. It's not like he's just working with defensemen. I mean, he's a you know a, a former NHL All-Star and a three-time champion. There's there's a lot he can impart for these young guys. 
I, w- I was just thinking of the story that I did on Keith Seabrook, his brother, and how confusing that was with just the uh, the name. Yeah. Like uh... <laughs> someone said, uh, "Oh yeah, Keith." You know, he was like, "Brent was here the other day, and you know, Keith was here too." And I'm like, "Oh, well, Keith? What? Oh wait, Keith? Oh, oh, you mean Keith Seabrook? Okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry." <laughs> um. Yeah. No, it, it's fascinating. It's um. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many of those ex Blackhawks ended up with the you know with with the organization in the end. I mean, I know that Holtz has still been talking with the Blackhawks about doing something and. Um, I, I think there's some just logistics that are difficult just with him being in Slovakia. But um, yeah, it was interesting that Keith even joined. I, I mean, I guess Keith's still under contract too. That the fact that he joined the Oilers in some sort of capacity. Um, yeah, it'll be. Uh... Yeah, some of these guys just want to be like ambassador types, make appearances, make a little cash that way. You know, uh, you know, I know Daniel Carcillo was doing that for a little while. A lot of these, it's, it's a good way to make extra cash and still be kind of part of the franchise. But I think for some of these guys, they want more than that. Like Brian Campbell, I mean, crap, he's basically an assistant GM. He's a special advisor to the GM. And he's at like, you know, at all the scouting and at all the all the games and everything like that. So I think some of these guys want more. They want to be, they want real career, second careers in hockey. And I think Seabrook's going to be one of them. I uh, I only saw some, I, I was just following it on Twitter yesterday, but I, I think a lot of the Blackhawks organization was probably at that game last night too. I think Kyle Davidson was going to be mm-hmm. there for the prospect game and Bedard was playing. So, um yeah, it'll be, you know, I talked to Mike Donahue like, recently, the Blackhawks amateur, you know, uh, director of amateur scouting, and um, they had their first meetings uh, two weeks ago, and, and you know, after the World Juniors and kind of catching up, and, you know, we talked about the top four, and um, he, he does it, you know, like he, he said the top four are supposed to be special, but he, he also, I think they're also kind of realizing that anything can happen at this point, but, you know, that there's other people beyond that, but um, it was interesting just discussing with him and the, the, those four players, and, um you know, we we talk about Mitchkoff a little bit and just, you know, how they're scouting him. But also, you, um, yeah, you talk about some players beyond it. It sounds like it's a, it's a deep draft, but I, I still feel like if, if the Blackhawks don't get a top four pick like this, this this all feels like a wasted season in some ways. Yeah, you know, you know, when I, when I went out there and, you know, everyone's talking about like, oh, you know, teams are preparing to pick fifth, sixth, seventh because there's so many bad teams out there that it's going to be hard to finish dead last. And I'm like, and then if you pick in six, you, you, you blew it. Like there might be a really good player number six. I mean, you look around the league and there are so many great players that weren't top three picks. I mean, Jason Robertson, uh, David Posternock, like there are superstars left and right in the league right now. You got to get one of those guys. And it's just, you might get it at six, but the chances are certainly higher. You get it at one, two or three or even four. Um, It's tough though, because you you talk about one player changing the course of your franchise other than Connor McDavid, and nobody's saying Connor Bedard is going to be McDavid. You're, I, I, the, the the comparison I'm hearing most actually is Patrick Kane, which phenomenal all time Hall of Fame player, but he doesn't singularly transform your team the way that McDavid potentially can. So there are superstars all over this league. If you get one, that's great, but you still have to have more than just one because everybody's got a sixty goal scorer this year. It seems there are so many great young players in the league. You're going to have to have more than one. So this draft isn't going to single-handedly fix the Blackhawks. Korchinski needs to pan out. Nazar needs to pan out. You know, whoever they pick in these next three first rounds where they have all these picks, a lot of these guys need to pan out for the Blackhawks to truly get out of mediocrity. I I, I think Connor Bedard, is, it, it has so much, he has so much appeal beyond just the on ice. Like, it, it changes. Like, the, the Blackhawks are likely going to lose Kane and Taves after the season, you know, I guess, depending on what they do anyways. But I don't see them resigning. They they need someone to market. And, and Connor Bedard is someone you can market yeah. around. And, and even Fantilli and, and, and Carlson, like, they're not at that level. Like, I don't think people are going to go out and buy Fantilli and Carlson jerseys. I think, I think Bedard's jersey shows up 
um, day one and people are going out and buying it. I, I think it's a game changer for the Blackhawks and what they need right now. They don't have, they just, you know, like, um, you know, Seth Jones is the number one defenseman and, um, but he, he's never had that appeal to fans. Like he, um, part of, part of it's, it's winning and part of it's, you know, like to be a defenseman, like usually have to be part of a winning team or just to be some massive points producer, right? Like it, uh, fans just don't flock to that. And I, I think they have an offensive player, um, like Bedard, like I, I, I think it's 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 a game changer for the organization for what they need. Um, I, I also I, I think it's, some of it's about timeline too. Like if the Blackhawks get Bedard, I think they accelerate the rebuild a little bit where they start putting yeah. good players around him. Um, you know, I, I think Fantilli comes out of college. You know, when I talked to Scott Wheeler the other day that he thought that Carlson. Um, maybe goes back to the Sweden for another year. And certainly Mitch Koff is a, is a longer timeline, but if you're drafting fifth, sixth, seventh, you're probably looking at a guy who's spending another year in, in junior and, and guys that are just, um, and, and Donahue admitted it, you know, like three years from now, like we may say these guys are pretty good. Um, but, but I think that the timeline of everything changes too. And um, th- there is sort of as much as Kyle Davidson, you know, probably thinks four or five years, like, I think they need someone who's an impact player pretty soon. And, and, and you sort of start building around him. Um, I think there's some urgency too. I mean, we haven't heard it, you know, from, from the organization, but um, I'm, I'm sure they're pleasantly pleased by the attendance, but I, I think they know that once Kane and Taves are gone, that all this becomes a little bit more challenging. Yeah. And don't forget like Bedard or Fantilli or whoever, there's no guarantee they step in and are instantly great. You know, Connor McDavid was a point to game guy as a rookie, but he also got hurt. But you look at like Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes is freaking awesome. He's an MVP candidate this year if McDavid didn't exist. He's gonna be he's on pace for 50 goals, 100 something points. His rookie year as the number one overall pick, he had seven goals and 14 assists in 61 games. And people were calling him a bust already. Like just because you're going to be great doesn't mean you're instantly great. So yeah. it's not like you know, even if Connor Bernard walks in, he could be a 50-point guy next year. 50 points as a rookie is great. Kane was around 60 points, I think, as a rookie. He wasn't like a 100-point guy as a rookie. Very few guys come in the league as 18-year-olds and dominate. Like Austin Matthews, he came in and scored four goals in his first game, but he didn't become Austin freaking Matthews until like a year or two later. So even if you get Bedard, Fantilli, Carlson, not Mitchkoff, obviously, but even if you get one of those guys, it could be three or four years until they become what Jack Hughes is now. Jack Hughes is only 21 years old right now, and he's just now you know, scratching the surface of what he could be. So there's no instant fix, but you're right. If you do get a Bedard, you're more inclined to go get somebody to play with him, which expedites this whole process. If you have Lucas Reichel, Connor Bedard, and, you know, solid free agent winger X here, things start looking better quicker. I think that's the the one upside the Blackhawks do have in, in, in choosing when they want to accelerate this is that they're going to have cap space. And, you know, we've talked about them just trying to get to the, the floor. Um, and you look at, this year's class and and I don't know how many of those guys are are actually going to be there um but two years from now like a, a Debrin kid or, or or something like that you know like it, it may you know like as of right now it, it doesn't sound like there's you know long-term negotiations with with Ottawa um you know bringing back a Debrin kid or, or finding someone who's becoming UFA at the right time um yeah it could fit the perfect timeline I mean the Blackhawks are going to want to space out some of those um, I mean, the, I guess the one challenge of having this many prospects and, and having them all turn pro within a certain time is that you start having to pay those second, third contracts pretty, pretty close too. So at some point, you know, the Blackhawks are probably being kept hell again here in five, six years, but um, they have this window where they're going to have probably a lot of guys on entry level deals and then some money to spend and, and sort of build a team that way. So um, yeah, it'll be fascinating to see how this plays out. But yeah, I think that, you know, I mean, obviously the first step is um, you know, the draft and seeing who they get. And then, you know, but I, I you know, I, I think I wrote about it last few weeks too, is just how they're 
you know, everyone wants to know what the plan is if the Blackhawks don't get Bedard, and I think it, it it just changes depends on where they pick. You know, like if it's if it's second, third, fourth. I mean, I think um, I I think you know, I think the words is gonna have to sign off on it if 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 they look to try buy Mitch. You know, they have to draft Mitchkoff. I think it it um it it, it changes the trajectory, but he. I don't know if any of those guys, fifth, sixth, seventh, are, are worth passing up on Mitchkoff if that's the case, you know? Right. And, 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 you know, the fans have given the Blackhawks a lot of grace this year, right? They've given them a long leash. They're still showing up, getting 16, 17, 18, 19,000 some nights. Um, they're kind of embracing everything. They understand, just like the players, everybody went into this eyes wide open. Everybody understood the deal. And they're still having fun out there. If you come back next year and say, you know what? We didn't get Bedard. We're tanking again. You lose that. I don't think you can, you know, I know you said this a lot, that next year could be worse than this year, especially when you lose Kane and Taves. It can't be. I don't think the Blackhawks are the, can get away with that. Like, this isn't a market that's going to tolerate a second straight year of this. So I, this, what, happen, what this, happens, though? This was a one-year deal. This is a one-year deal you got because of Connor Bedard. Say they draft Carlson, and Carlson's like, they decide he goes back to Sweden, and that's what he wants. I I, I, I could see Kuczynski turning pro, and you certainly have Reichel. Um and you maybe you bring back Domi like you wrote about today. Um, yeah, I, I think I think the challenge is just you also know. I, I think what Davidson's gonna have to balance is that you don't want to just go out and get a veteran. That um, I mean, guys that are twenty seven, twenty eight, they're all looking for long term contracts. So like that's yeah, someone who doesn't fit what you want to be. Um, but to yeah, to, to you know to justify um. Yeah, justify the contract. Yeah, I, I think it's gonna be challenging. So I, I think it's all. I think Blackhawks fans could accept losing again if there's young players on the ice. That's that's exactly what I was just gonna say. Like this year, it's blatant tanking in that you're having Jack Johnson playing ahead of Isaac Phillips and Ian Mitchell every night. Next year, if you got Korchinski in there and you got Reichel on the top line, and you know you you start playing these young guys, that's something you can latch onto. Remember that lockout season, that 2020 season when they just threw all the young guys out there. Fans embrace that. You can you can get behind that. That's not what this year is. This year no. is a pure tank job where you intentionally put veterans in the way of your exciting young players because you wanted to shield your young guys from this and you wanted to be as bad as possible. So that they might be bad next year, but if they're bad and exciting young guys are on the team, that's a completely different story. That's For not sure. a tank to me. That's a rebuild. That's, That's what really a rebuild looks yeah. like. This yeah. year is tanking. Yeah. If you have Korchinski as your as your on your top pairing with Seth Jones, and you've got Lucas Reichel on your front line, then you're not tanking anymore. You're starting that long, slow rebuild. That's a different sure. story. Yeah, no, I, I think I think that's the key. Like, I, and I and I realize the draft spots kind of kind of dictate who's on the team next year. But if Korchinski's like, I, I think if they don't draft someone who can play in the NHL next year, that the prior, like they have to make Kaczynski NHL ready. Like they just, yeah. you know, like that, I think that has to become a priority. You need someone who you can market. Um, and I don't think Reichel's just it, you know, like you need, you need a few pieces where people are really clinging to, yeah, some future hope. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg. 
This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Um, we put out a call for questions. Oh, did we? Oh, I did. Um, <laughs> uh, this is from Maxwell Long. At what point does Davidson start to feel some pressure to make trades happen, even if the return isn't quite what they wanted? I, I know people are talking about the trade deadline, and, and we're also partly guilty for this starting this in December because that's all we have to write about these days. But n- nothing honestly usually happens until until February and weeks before. So um, it doesn't sound like Kane and Taze have even um, – told the Blackhawks, you know, it certainly hasn't been leaked yet that they've told the Blackhawks they want to do. So I don't think there's any pressure yet. I think everything is going to still unfold around the deadline and the conversations will heat up in the next week. You've seen a couple smaller trades kind of trickle through, but um, I know that this is sort of, I mean, this is what all Blackhawks fans have (laughs) right now, but it's, it's something that probably won't happen for a few more weeks. Yeah. I mean, it's usually like a week out from the deadline. That's when you start having things. Then like, Two or three days before the deadline, that's when the blockbusters all happen. And that's when everyone on TSN and Sportsnet goes, oh, God, what are we going to talk about for 12 hours? Same thing happens every year. We're always wondering, why aren't there trades yet? Why aren't there trades yet? And it's because a lot of teams don't know what they are yet. Like, look at a team like the New York Islanders right now. Yeah, right. Huh? They, they're a bad hockey team right now. They have a great goalie and they can't score, but they're only a few points out of a playoff spot. Like, Lou Lamorello is the most difficult guy to read in the league, but... Does he want to add right now? Islanders fans are screaming. Poor Kevin Kurz. Every tweet he has, every mention is screaming at him. Why isn't Lou doing something? But is it smart to do something with you when you're when you're like one of five teams jockeying for two wild cards and you haven't really shown you're a good team? A lot of teams are in that vein right now, just trying to figure out what they are. Are we really contenders this year? Do we want to give everything up? And the other factor is Connor Bedard aside. This draft is freaking loaded. They are everything. Every GM and, and chief scout is super excited about this draft, and they're a little more reluctant than usual to give up a first rounder. Last year, nobody cared about the first round. That's why the Blackhawks were able to get three first round picks. This year, it's going to be a lot harder to extract a first round pick from someone. You better be giving up something like Patrick Kane. You're probably not going to get a first rounder for a Max Domi like you might have a few years ago. It's incredible. The Islanders only have one win in the last ten games. They're terrible. They can't yeah. score at all. Yeah. I mean, Ilya Sorokin might be the best goalie in the league, and it's he's just it's 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 like Corey Crawford a few years ago when the when the Hawks won fifty games but were terrible. It's all the goalie, man. Uh, from Justin G, any chance Taves, Kane, and Domi all stay and the Hawks' bigger deadline deals involved McCabe and Murphy would definitely help the logjam at D. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit before. Is you know, just because someone has term doesn't make them untradeable in fact for some teams it makes them more appealing you're more willing to give something up if you know it's beyond just a rental um i don't think they're going to get a lot for mccabe and murphy but i think you can get something and if you can get them off the books i mean both of them are well liked by the blackhawks they're they're solid players mccabe's having a very good year um and i i think there's some no trade protection both guys have like partial no trade clauses so it might get a little a little dicey on that that but uh there's no you know just Term is not necessarily an obstacle to a trade, especially for those two guys, because they're not signed to like some mega contracts. They're both in that $4 million range, I believe. Um, they are they are tradable assets. And, you know, Edmonton and McCabe have been linked. Um, it's it's it, there. There is nobody that Kyle Davidson sees as untouchable that's on this roster right now. So 
they certainly could be moved if someone wants to, some someone wants them. I, I think some of it comes down to um oh yeah, Murphy has a modified no trade clause. Um and uh McCabe. Uh, yeah, McCabe is a modified no trade clause too. Um, and, and don't forget, McCabe really wanted to be in Chicago. I don't think he want like he is not happy about the losing, but he also doesn't really want to be move again. So McCabe's is a seven team no trade list. Um, and Murphy's is a uh, a, Murphy's 10 a ten team, yeah, ten team no trade list according to Cap Friendly. Um, I I think some of it's about the return too. Like the Blackhawks aren't um. Getting money off the books isn't like a driving force for them because they need money on the books come next year. And right. so it's it's if you if you lose McCabe and Murphy, um, two guys who who seem to be pretty good in the room and and, and guys that are solid enough NHL players, McCabe certainly having a bounce back season that I don't think the Blackhawks see um, a downside to having them. One because of the cap, and two, um, yeah, because you may just have to fill them with guys that are similar next year and paying people. You know, like if if you lose Tate, Kane, Domi, and have to see you and Etc. Whoever the UFAs, I mean, you're talking about twenty plus million dollars they need to fill just to get to get to the floor. So I, I think I think it's about the return too. Like it's if the someone calls for a fifth rounder from McCabe, I, I don't think the Blackhawks are doing no. that. Like it, it it has to make some make some sense to them. Um, you know, something that uh, uh, Jonas uh, Jonas Siegel and I wrote about the other day was about Sam Lafferty and um, you know how he could fit. The uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, need him, and, and and for the Blackhawks, maybe that makes a little bit more sense. Where, um, you know, someone who doesn't have a large salary, who you know, as much as the Blackhawks like Lafferty, I don't know if he's in the long term plans. Um, and if you can get a third rounder for him, then then it's probably worth it. But if it's a fourth or a fifth, is I don't... it though? Is is a third rounder really worth a, a a pretty decent, you know, bottom six guy who gives you a lot of energy and speed and can kill penalties? It just depends. On I'm what not you so see. sure. About I don't that. know. How, it depends on how you see him like is he part of the future like is he how far do you see it like i i think at this point the blackhawks are accumulating assets and in some ways they need to create some they need to create some room like they the fact they have some of these contracts that are um they they have some guys that they i, I guess i mean you do have some guys walking but i, I guess you're at some point you need to create some space for the guys that you you foresee taking that next step too so yeah i don't know i i think lafferty's an interesting case like he he's certainly someone i could see stay but if at the right place i i think um um, yeah, I, I could see him go too. So yeah, you, you do uh, bring up an interesting point, though. We were just talking before about how the Blackhawks need to have some young guys in the NHL next year to make this team interesting and palatable. But you can't have a blue line of you know Korchinski and Vlasic and Mitchell and you know Del Mastro or whoever you want to put back there because it would be too cheap. Like there's got to be you have to put some money yeah. somewhere. Yeah, you can't Plus, have a whole team I, I think they, they also, I, I think it's important for them to support those young guys with with some veterans. You know, like they have McCabe, Murphy, and Seth Jones paired up with. Um, you know, I I think Vlasic and and um and Kurchinsky are probably NHL players next year. They have those guys um paired up with you know some veterans. You know, and and then maybe Phillips or Mitchell, whomever fills out the the bottom of it, and then you have a veteran. You know, uh, Luke Richardson probably will need to get away from benching those younger guys and benching the veteran yeah. at some point. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think that part of it's they need to support those guys with guys who can play too. And um, I, I think that's going to be, um, 
yeah, I, I think as they bring more younger guys in too, that it's they're gonna want that quality of uh, veteran to improve, and and I think McCabe and Murphy and and Lafferty too. I mean, Lafferty's a you know like a very solid bottom six player, so I I wouldn't be surprised at the right price if he's gone, but I also understand if he uh, if he sticks around. Uh, let's see. Um, this is from Jason Tornquist. This is a question about McCabe, but prior articles depicted Jake McCabe is happy to be home in Chicago, but re- ready to finally win after years in Buffalo. Does ready, does ready to win factor in the trade rumors heating up? Yeah, I don't, I don't think the, I don't think McCabe really fits that category where the Blackhawks are going to do right by McCabe necessarily. You know, like I, I, I think it's yeah, uh, yeah, he, he's not some legacy act here. Yeah, I, I think it's, um, yeah, I don't, it's, it's not that point. So I, I think if they can get the right price for McCabe and it makes sense, um, they will. But there's the Blackhawks. Yeah, I don't think they're just. Gonna but don't forget anything. these, these, these guys and their agents are pretty crafty. Like if they don't want to get traded, they will make their no trade list all the teams that could possibly trade for them. Yeah. Like even if you only have a seven or a 10 team list, you could be pretty smart about it and put the teams that would be interested in you. If he puts Edmonton on that, no trade list, he ain't going to Edmonton. So yeah. there's that. I mean, at this point, yeah, I don't think, I don't, I, I, I imagine that Jake McCabe wouldn't be, have a problem being traded to a, a contender at this point. Right. Though too. Like if you, I, I don't like as much as you like Chicago, like, I mean, it's probably like this again next year. And then, I mean, you only have so many years on that contract too. So yeah. like, I, I, where do you foresee your future? So, um, he's going to make Chicago his home regardless in the offseason. So if there's a chance to win, I, I I doubt that he crafts it to a point where he's picking, you know, like he's ruling out Colorado or something like that, you know. So uh, from Brady, what's your favorite NHL city to travel to during the season? Oh, God, uh, I, I'm always partially going to New York just because it's kind of home for me. And there's pizza and bagels everywhere, obviously. Uh, but I honestly, like I. I've been to every every city, any every NHL city several times at this stage. Of my this is my eleventh season doing this. I don't. I like them all. Like I, there's none of them that I dread going to, other than the arena here at, at Calgary because of the damn press box. Uh, you know, I, I I always I got I got a, I got a sandwich shop, I got a bar, and I got a dinner place in every in, in like thirty cities in in North America. And I love that fact. You know, I'm going to Edmonton tomorrow. Most people be like, oh god, I'm going to Edmonton. I like Edmonton. Edmonton's cool. Uh, I got to go to Bistro Praha. I get to uh, go to a great arena. Um, it's not going to be 300 below zero for a change. Like there's no cities I hate going to, but favorites, <laughs> the ones you'd expect, the New Yorks, the LAs, the, you know, the Torontos, Vancouver. The, the things that I hate now are, 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 it's more about like commute to the airport. Like how far I have to stay away from the arena, how far the airport is to. Edmonton's to bad in that regard. Yeah. Like how I, I, I Colorado's one of my, I just I hate going to Denver because the airport is just I I hate the airport I hate going from the airport to, the and hotel. I love Denver as a city but yeah, yeah I love I love getting there it's so just bad. it's uh, uh, you know I've taken the train recently which is which is better than than having to pay for Uber or I've had to pay just crazy Uber rates in the morning trying to get to the airport mm-hmm. at like six a.m. and yeah. yeah it's 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 small things like that or um yeah it's it's I guess yeah most of the cities I don't yeah I think I mean warm I went during I'll... the winter are nice and. When I when I went to Vancouver Giants practice in Vancouver, uh, out up it's it's in a town called uh, Ladner, which is about twenty miles south of Vancouver. Like it's only like seven miles from this little sliver of United States. Actually, that's there. It's kind of like point something or other. But I went there and it was like a thirty five dollar Uber ride to get there. No big deal. So I I, I finish up at practice. I, I go to look it up. The cheapest Uber was two hundred and thirty seven dollars. Oh to go my home. god! So I waited. I, I went to like I was like all right. I guess I'm gonna go find a bus. And I went to the bus stop and I checked again and it was forty four dollars. What <laughs> what happened in those five minutes that it was two hundred and thirty seven? Both both Lyft and Uber had this insane surge for like five minutes. It was bizarre. 
I I ended recently. I think it was in Seattle when I went to go cover, uh, go see Kevin Kretschinski. Like it was when I came out. Like it was, yeah, it was because it was. They, I I I didn't really do enough research going to the game, but they, like it's it's a little bit a ways out, like where the Thunderbirds play from like Seattle proper. So like it was it was a decent Uber there, and then coming back I was like I needed to, I needed to wait it out. Like I just I can't. Yeah, I. See, all this stuff, like, all, all these travel headaches, they just they don't bother me. Like, they never really have. Like, even flight delays and stuff. Like, I still really love the travel aspect of this trip. I got a ton of travel coming up between this trip. I'm going to Florida for the All-Star game next week. And then I'm going to Eastern Canada right after that. Because, again, you hate Canada. Newsflash, Scott Powers hates Canada. Um, you know, my, my favorite, my one of my favorite trips ever, and, and this will be why I don't hate Canada, is, is when early on in the athletic and the Brinkett was still in, in juniors and stuff. We It was the Ottawa-Toronto montreal trip and and on the off i got a rental car the entire time and i and off days i just went to uh the junior games i, I saw debrinket one night and the other night i saw a q game it was uh Kurashev and bodan were both playing each other so okay. i went there and uh, yeah just drove around drove around icy and snowy canada and you know just had my serious i you know i would listen to the um you know podcast it was that ho- uh, not hockey it was the history of the was the history of the world what's uh Hardcore history, yeah, like the really long podcast. Oh, yeah, hardcore history. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I, then that was great. Like they were like four or five, six hour drives, and I was just driving around Canada listening to that. So, I do not hate. I just for whatever reasons you've had take you've had the Canada trip. So next year I will make it up to you, and I will. No, I I don't. I know I like Canada. You can take it from my my cold dead hands. People from Nashville hate me. Now you're gonna make all Canadians hate me. So (laughs) it's it's all. (laughs) I just want to have some friends. You know Nashville. I haven't been to Nashville. I I swear I haven't been to Nashville. In years since pre-pandemic, I don't think I've been to Nashville. That's we'll weird. be there for the uh, we'll be there the for draft. the draft. Yeah, yeah. Nashville, I'm sure I, I my only dislike with Nashville in the last ten years is it's how popular it's gotten and yeah. how difficult it is to get hotels and how everything. It used to gone. be about the music, man. Yeah, it used to be about you've changed you know, Nashville. cheap south cheap Southwest flights and cheap hotels. Now it's like and, the cheapest hotel is like five hundred dollars a yeah, night to stay I, in a cardboard. Box I can't somewhere. imagine what the athletic is going through right now, trying to figure out hotel rooms for Nashville. Oh God, we'll be yeah. staying at like Knoxville or something like that, and just commuting <laughs> on some bus. Just do everything over Zoom anyway. Yeah. Um, from Aiden Walsh, is it worth to trade Taves if the Hawks are only getting a second or third in return? I feel like the captain of three cups and the top five player in franchise history means more than a third, even if he's here just for the rest of the season. In his case, it, it it's about doing right by Cave. So it, it's yeah. Um, uh, you know, the Blackhawks would prefer to get a higher pick for Taves, but if, if he's he's going to dictate where he wants to go, and and ultimately, if it, the list is, um, if it's only one team, then I and the Blackhawks are up against a little bit. So I I can't imagine Kyle Davidson says no, Taves can't be traded. Like it's, um, so yeah, I I think that's it's the the ball. You know, unlike McKay, the ball is in in Taves court there where he's yeah I mean I mean the Hawks are in a good position here PR wise because you know they put they've they've said over and over again whatever they want is what's going to happen where it's going to get tricky is if Jonathan Taves says I want to stay and I want to resign then it puts the ball back into Kyle Davidson's court will you resign Jonathan Taves the most arguably the most beloved player in team history to will you let him walk not like like I wrote that story a couple of weeks ago about franchise icons who left. Mike Madonna is still bitter that the stars didn't give him a contract. Patrick Marlowe wanted to stay in San Jose. They didn't do it. These guys want to stay. And then when the team says no, it makes the team look bad. So if Jonathan Taves wants to come back and he'll take a two-year deal at three million a pop, I, I think you'd be foolish not to let him do that. Cause again, the marketing side of things, the the value he brings to younger players, the uh, the experience and the and the leadership and all those intangibles everybody rolls their eyes at. 
I would, if I'm Kyle Davidson, want him back for a cheap deal. I'm not so sure Kyle does though. Yeah, I, I just, I don't think they can afford the PR hit to say no. So I, I, I right. it, it, it's, it's on. I, I think if Taves is traded, then it's, it's easier everyone to walk away after the season. If Taves stays, that there's, there's some sort of conversation, and and there's ultimately the question to Taves is, do you want to, st- you know, do you want right. to resign? And he says yes, then yeah, I, I, it's, it's gonna. I think you'd have to sign him if you want. Yeah, to no, for sure. Yeah, if Kane and Taves want to be here, I, it's, it's, um, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll be here. So, um. Final question, and I, I'm not sure you are qualified to answer this question. How it's, dare you? It's for, it's from Casey, who's his, uh, it, it, they're two Irish bands. It, the one's the Clancy. He's, he's basically asking which you prefer, the Clancy Brothers or the Dubliners. Oh, uh, definitely the Clancy Brothers. Uh, they're my favorite. All right, well, we'll sit back. I got about a 15-minute explanation here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to get to the morning skate, so keep it up. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I've actually been to a Dubliners concert who, on their last tour through Ireland, which was like 2002, I saw the Dubliners in Limerick, um, which was a really cool experience. And um, But the Clancy Brothers also, I, I had a friend who I grew up, uh, or he moved from Dublin to Chicago when he was like in fifth, sixth grade, and I got to know him really well. And his dad used to play Clancy Brothers music um in the car all the time and it, it's sort of uh my roots of irishness and loving drinking songs and um yeah all these uh clancy brother drinking songs um but so right, well, I, what's, I, your, I, what's your favorite canadian band though come on uh, uh rural alberta advantage which oh is, I, they're actually pretty good actually yeah, yeah they are really good so I, I'm, I'm an our lady peace guy me and jonathan yeah. taves is the one thing we have in common we're both our lady peace fans nice good to see you they're in chicago and uh, next week i got tickets i'm excited Oh, cool. I, I, when I was in, uh, when I was in St. Louis, I went to, uh, I, I just went to like a random indie show and just watched three bands that I wasn't familiar with, but it was nice to get out and just, uh, um, yeah, it was, it was fun to watch them see some music. It's been, uh, been a minute since I did that. So, um, you are in Calgary and then in Edmonton tomorrow. Edmonton. I, I literally yeah. checked in for my flight during this uh, podcast. That's how oh, professional. Yes. And then, uh, you're going to be at the, uh, all-star game. Yeah, me and Mike Russo uh, and uh, Corey Promen and Jesse Granger will all be there for the athletic. Nice, cool. Um, and we'll have we'll have some content coming next week. Some things we've been holding on to, and uh, yeah, I guess I guess we'll decide if we want to do a podcast next week. If there's something to talk about, you have a lot of travel coming up. You have another Canadian trip, and uh, yeah, February is going to be here. Like it's uh, it's I guess things are going to heat up, and there'll be certainly a lot more talk about the deadline stuff, and hopefully some things will have more information about what's going on. So. Can't wait to see what those March podcasts are going to be like after the deadline. Oh, I know. It's, we're going to have some more guests, so if anyone if anyone wants to hear from anyone, please let us know. And yeah, we'll just have like random Twitter followers on the. You want to come on the air? <laughs> sure, yeah, let's go. I'm sure that'll go well. Um, so we, we will, uh, yeah, possibly be back at it next week, if not the following week. And uh, yeah, for Mark Lazarus, I'm Scott Powers, and this is Lazarus Powers. Talk to you soon. I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me